welcome to the Cigar Cast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Shane's Back Porch here in beautiful Spring Hill, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Dubman. I'm joined as I am every week by a man who creates a first-come, first-serve rule just so he has an excuse to jump the line, Mr. Shane Reeves. I'm, I'm speechless. I don't know the, the etymology of that saying. All right. So... <laughs> A little inside baseball for the listeners. A couple weeks ago, we were discussing the show after the fact, and uh, we we were talking about how how fun it is when we both bring a certain amount of of content and things like that. And so we were going to establish basically a rule for each of us to keep ourselves honest of you bring three articles and a topic or a three. And then you said, and let's make it even more fun. It's based on first come, first serve. Who puts it in in the Google Drive? Right. All right. Well, I log in to pull up all the articles, and who has put all of their S at the top of the list that I created this morning? <laughs> it's real easy to, be, to beat a first come, first serve rule when you just put your stuff on top of what's already there. But, okay. <laughs> but there's only two of us. So this is this is the, and it tracks edits. So this it, is the scenario of I'm driving down the road and my wife looks over at me and says, "Did you fart?" Well, <laughs> there's only two of us in the car. You shouldn't have to ask me because yeah. you should know whether or not it was you. And all this is that thing. So there's only two of us. So does it really matter where the top or bottom of the list is? No, I just thought it was funny <laughs> that you that you would enact a a rule that was first come first serve and then and then skip the line. Well, at least visually. I also had the article that is our first article that we'll talk about after we light the cigars. But I went ahead and found extra articles because you had, in, in strict adherence to the rules, you had already stated that as one of yours. You had planted your flag on that particular That's article. That's right. <laughs> so I'm happy, I'm happy to live and die by my own code. That's fine. <laughs> and all, but let's talk about our cigars. So talk about yours first. All right, so uh, this is, and we were talking about this before the show, is, you know, it's, I cannot tell you the last time I came to a recording of the podcast and had not had a cigar already that day. It's been ages, absolutely ages, and today was just one of those days where I was super busy and never got the opportunity, and, and by the time that I was driving the hour down here, I, I could have, but at that point, why spoil it? Right? Right. You've made it that far. I've made it that far. What's another hour? And if there's any chance that it's going to enhance my enjoyment of tonight's cigar, then I am going to take that. So um, all of that lovely buildup just to say that our our local cigar shops around here have finally started getting in this year's Los Calaveras. And I am frightened. <laughs> you know, in the past, we've both had a certain amount of excitement. Uh-huh. And Crowned Heads has managed to beat that out of well, us. <laughs> well, here's the thing. And I told him I was going to say this on the show tonight. I was all looking forward to it. You know, I had a really good day work-wise. So I was kind of – so it didn't even phase me to spend the $14 that this stick costs or whatever. Uh, I think it's about 13 actually. And – uh, you know, I was looking for it. Didn't phase me one bit. I was excited to try it. I have not read a single review about it, so I don't know what any what it's going to look like. Uh, it's I do know that it's got an Ecuadorian Habano Oscuro wrapper, which is something they've never done before over Nicaraguan binder and filler. So it's a little departure. Here's the thing, though. I stopped by Crown on my way down here to pick this cigar up, 
And Austin says that he's had it, and he likes it. Okay. Well, mine and Austin's palates are very different. Yeah, but here's the thing. Specifically with the Los Calaveras, every, we disagree All right. every year on this cigar. If he likes it, I hate it. If I think it's a dog turd, he thinks it's the best one they've ever made. He and I have never even remotely agreed on a Los Calaveras fan blend. So for the last, like, 30 minutes, I've been like, I've been kicking myself. I am <laughs> frightened because if if he liked it, I am I am doomed. So this is a tough, you know, to make it all about me. Um, this is a tough decision for me because I'm trying to decide at fourteen dollars and a crown's head and the history that crowned heads and I have together. What does Trey need to rank this cigar in order for me to actually purchase one and try it? You know, because if you you know if you give it a four, if you give it a three, like we gave last year's, there's no way I'm buying. Is that one what we now. gave last year? Last year's was a three. Yeah, I have a feel. I wouldn't. I don't think it's a number thing. I think I would have to tell you that this is the best Los Calaveras they've ever made. No, I think if you give it a five and a half or better, I'll probably smoke one. But anything under a five, five and a half. Um, you know, if you give it a five of an ostrich, a five with, well, no, but I know your palate and the kind of stuff you like, and this seems like it would fit that, then I'll probably go for it. But if it's just a straight four, four and a half for you, that means it's going to be a three or a two for me because I'm not as prone to like, um, crown head stuff. So it's kind of a... I don't know. It's a it's a tough call for me as to what how your rating is going to influence whether or not I ever smoke that cigar. No, I totally get that. I, I completely understand that. I had a Dickens of a time getting it lit just because I was we're we're holding this the between trying to get it lit and holding the mic and said that was tough. All right, so I am really looking forward to finding out about yours. Okay, so I'll put a picture of it online. I took a picture before I lit it. So these are Don Gonzalez creations. His roller comes in, and he makes these cigars that are in the shape of a pipe. I've never seen anybody smoke one. I have a couple. And I've never seen anyone smoke one, but everyone that ever has says it turns the corner. Okay. They say it because my assumption was you'd smoke it down to there, ash it off, and then you would have to relight. Oh, no. I totally believe that it would turn that corner. What I would find difficult is how it turns the corner evenly. Well, now that's going to be another question. Is it, it, There's probably going to have to be a touch-up done on that. I'm trying to decide, should I hold it in my mouth upside down and light it and then just turn it over to smoke it? Or should I try to light it like a pipe and light it from the top? I think I'm gonna, I think I'm going upside down and light it and you, then turn it over and smoke you it. You could always go 90 degrees, too, and because that's about the same angle as you would normally. Yeah, I could do a 90-degree light on it. But it's a unique cigar, and I like all of Don Pedro's stuff, and this will be fun. This one's old. I mean, as you can tell, this one's got some mileage on it. This one's been through a couple of humidors. I'd say this cigar is five years old just since I got it. Speaking of which, I'm going to derail the show before we even get out of the gate this week. So yesterday, I was going through the humidor and, and, and happened across a cigar in my humidor that was at least five years old. Um, could have been older, but I know it's at least five years old. 
And I've ha- I've hung on to it for a long time because it was given to me as a gift, but I wasn't really ever super worried about it because I am 100% convinced that it, or I was 100% convinced that it was a fake Cuban. It was a, what I believed to be a fake Partagas, and I smoked it yesterday. And I still completely believe that it was a fake Partagas, because as soon as I lit it, it ran all the way up one side. Right. But with five years of age on it, once I got the light under control, it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I have never been so... I think the key on something like that is is having the expectations that it's a fake cigar and not try, not expecting a true Cuban flavor. Right, man, not expecting it to be the best cigar you've ever smoked. But man, that was the least disappointed I've ever been in a fake Cuban. It was awesome. Well, I got her lit. And uh, I started with the upside down, and then I finally just reached for my big torch and blew it out. And uh, it's got a good draw. It's an interesting experience. And uh, my problem lighting it was I'm getting older, and my up-close vision ain't what it used to be. So I didn't know if I was lighting my index finger or the cigar till the pain started. <laughs> it's <laughs> so, like that scene from Young Frankenstein where the blind guy's lighting the cigar, but it's his finger. Yeah, yeah, till. Till I till I felt the pain, I didn't realize that I was in the process of puffing on my finger, and uh, I should have stuck my thumb in my mouth if I knew I was going to try to light my index finger. But I've got it lit. It's a it's a good Don Pedro. You know, just what Don Pedro does. His cigars are all going to be good. Um, some of them are better than others, but I've never had one of his that I would call bad. It's funny too because I wonder. I'm just looking at this now and i'm wondering if if this is going to fall under the purview of now is this something that he sells is this something that you can actually get or is this because you're a friend oh no the no i've got the special ones because i'm a friend okay and i I wouldn't smoke one of those these are some that he makes when he does his rolling events okay uh i wonder if uh blue mountain cigars would would be after him for that because i'm looking there's three different um types of tobacco on that yeah he's it's interesting because now this like this green tobacco here i've noticed him using that in a lot of his more artistic cigars Mm -hmm. it must be a tougher tobacco i'm i would guess so and on i think that's a stress point and he uses that green tobacco there to reinforce it it could also be a slower burning tobacco and he uses that to even out after it makes the turn that's true. I hope I, I would like to think that I live in a world where that much engineering went into it. <laughs> Considering how much engineering goes into his cigars and his draw testing and things like that, I wouldn't put it past him. I wouldn't. But since you brought up the Blue Mountain article, let's talk about this. We meant right. to get to this last week and never got around to it. Yeah, and I I, I know I'm shaking these things up on you, but just. Uh, it was too good a it, it was too it, good a segue. It, it's it's starting to be like we're married because I lay out the plan and then you move right on through it in the order, <laughs> whatever order you decide. All right. So the reason, part of the reason that I wanted to bring this up is because I'm actually very familiar with the Blue Mountain Cigars brand, and I don't think you are at all. They were they came into popularity when I was living in Atlanta. So this is around 2012, 2013. And they have a, a, a cigar called the Menage a Trois. Right. And it's, I know it sounds gimmicky, but it's actually a very, very good cigar. It starts with a 
natural wrapper goes to I want to say a Claro wrapper, and then finishes with Maduro. Now, is it barber pole or is it just three individual wrappers? Smokestack. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Just giving our listeners a mental image. Yeah. So it it look it looks like something you would see at a tasting event where they're trying to get you to experience the change in flavors of different uh, wrapper leaves. I've got to say, like I said, it it seems very gimmicky. It's a phenomenal cigar, which begs the question: why you don't see it? Anywhere. I do remember it being a little expensive, but like I said, it's one of those things that I just don't see them anywhere. So that's why I thought it was incredibly funny to find out that they have recently started suing over the use of three wrappers, which is why I brought it up. But doesn't this happen all the time? I mean, aren't there any number of, of cigar companies that do a barber pole? I don't think well, and so here's what I find is funny too because so first of all, um, it just says three wrappers. It doesn't specify stacked, barber pulled, whatever. Um, so you would, I mean, one could argue that you know Blue Mountain has made a name for themselves in having this three you know wrappered cigar, but but you would have to be a household name. What is it? Doesn't is it Drew Estate? No, who yeah, is it that does so the, the triple barber pole? So the Cabaneta for Drew Estate's two, and it's smokestacked. Yeah. And the Bellaterra has two smokestacks. Well, that one, and that is fairly common. I think that's why they went this road of, of saying that they were the first to do three. Uh, but someone came out last year with a th- triple, uh, it may have been Asylum. I don't know. No, it, it was um, Alec Bradley's Filthy the, Hooligan had three, was a triple barber pole. Okay, that's what it was. Yeah, because they added a sun-grown wrapper this year. Right. So here's what I think is so funny about this, though. So, okay, so you've got plenty of people using three wrappers already who are way more well-known than you are. Secondly, they registered this as a trademark, not a patent. Now, that's what I find hilarious about this whole thing because I and and I had intended to talk to my brother-in-law who's actually an intellectual property attorney about this but it seems to me if you're going to to register a product that you would patent the specific use of three tobaccos stacked to look a certain way with the darkest being at the you know and however you have to write it. right a trademark is like a logo so how can you trademark a product? I, it, this seems so flimsy. And for them to take the initiative to start suing people over this? Well, here's my question. What's the upside? Yeah. What's, what is the upside for Blue Mountain Cigars if they win this lawsuit against a small cigar shop is this in a, Miami? Is this a there's no such thing as bad publicity? See, I... I think, and I think that's a myth. I think oh, there's definitely such thing as bad publicity, and I think there's a, there's definitely a portion of life that you just leave alone and let it pass of its own accord. You don't have to address everything that's slung at you. And uh, but the, I don't see I don't see the upside for Blue Mountain cigars for this because now I am no closer at this moment to smoking a Blue Mountain cigar than I was before this started. If anything, I'm probably a little further away from it. Yeah. Well, and so in its suit, Blue Mountain says that it sent a letter to this 
cigar lounge in Miami um, back in October of 18, which was before they had received approval on their trademark. So, and they basically, it was a cease and desist letter. Um, and in it, they rep- they referenced a particular cigar that has a different design than Blue Mountains. So, so your, your complaint is dubious at best, and all you're doing is making the entire cigar industry realize that you're going to trademark something that you didn't really invent. And you're going to enforce it in the most flimsy way possible. That's well, not a good way to make friends and influence people. No, and the other thing is, okay, like, you know, the upside forum ain't there. And even if it was, this is not a strong patent. You know, a strong patent is Kodak and all the, you know, okay, I have a Kodak. Now, you may not have a Kodak camera, you may, but for a long time, if you had a camera, you just called it a Kodak. Uh, yeah, like uh, Kleenex, and and in in the UK, every vacuum's a Hoover, right? Those are very strong trademarks. Eh, the fact that you thought of wrapping three different tobacco leaves around one cigar for wrappers really is not to me. That's not holding water. No, it, especially because it seems easy enough to to be able to pr- show uh, prior usage. Uh, I don't yeah. know. I just think I, it, it's just one of those things for me. It's kind of a shame because I do like the cigar, but if this is the way, if if, if they're going to be the patent trolls of the cigar industry, I'm not I'm not going to get I'm not going to get yeah. behind them in any way, shape, and or form. And here's the thing, you know, we we had a brief conversation about this right before the show. I won't get into the specifics out of respect for the two parties involved, but a cigar manufacturer not treating a cigar shop well. Is cutting their own throat. Yeah. Because these guys talk. Hey, oh, yeah. this guy was always a horse's rear to me. And, uh, you know, somebody new comes in, hey, I'm starting a shop because this is what, so this is how you start a cigar shop. You find somebody of a successful cigar shop and you go sit with them and talk with them. And cigar guys are such generous, good people, unless you're moving in next door to them, they're going to give you good information. Mm-hmm. And when you sit down and they say, oh, yeah, this guy was a total jerk to me. It don't take long for that to travel around. No, it doesn't. And it especially if it's something big enough like this to get picked up by Half Wheel, which is you know read by retailers, manufacturers, distributors and just fans of the industry. Yeah, there's just there's no upside, but let's talk about something fun. There something is nice. some upside. <laughs> no. The upside for this week is the FDA warning labels got struck down. And it's, it's you know, this is something that I really didn't expect. I've got to say, I was cautiously pessimistic on this. I really didn't expect to see this get shot down. I'm actually concerned. Well, and, and Charlie brings up some really good points in his article about how there actually may be some concern uh, alongside this, yeah, you know, if the FDA says okay, we're not, you know, and here's, and I think it's, I think it's like anything else. Well, real quick, just so everybody knows, the um, U.S. Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia ruled the U.S. Food and Drug Administration could not require Warner labels for cigar and pipe tobacco products, mm-hmm. and uh, and this was a unanimous decision, three to nothing. This was a unanimous decision that the 
FDA did not meet the burden of proof that they should have this. Right. And all, which is a, a huge victory when anytime it's a unanimous decision. But does this free the FDA up to fight harder not to give the premium cigar exemption? Well, and the big issue that I have is that we still haven't defined a premium cigar. You know, there's still no official definition of what makes uh, a, a premium cigar a premium cigar. You know, this and because this thing that came out yesterday um, basically is is for all cigars, premium or otherwise. So it doesn't get us any farther from being lumped in and and being in the crosshairs of the FDA. Well, here's the thing. There was no real money in it for the FDA to have labels on. They just they were just flexing their power. They were just doing what politicians do. They were politicking. They were right. governing for the sake of governing with no real eye on the consequence or the result. I also feel like if they were going to do it, I think the burden of proof should be on them to verify the truthfulness of the warning labels they wanted to apply to premium cigars. Yeah, the one on this Liga 9 box in the article, cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. Um, I want to see your proof. I want to see your scientific, documented, peer-reviewed evidence to suggest that because I've never read any. Yeah, they, they should be responsible for that portion of it as well. But there is money in the FDA for not giving the premium cigar exemption because then they get to collect. Because I guarantee you every piece of the approval process will involve stroking a check. Right. And I'll, I'll tell you from building houses, every piece, every time they say we need an inspection, we need a, a permit, we need a fee, we need whatever, you can just go ahead and get your checkbook out. You're not going to see a government official without them reaching into your wallet. So I think there's a portion of this that is that, that is the FDA trying to get, okay, there's no money in this for us. Let's focus all our energy on getting where the money is. Right. And, you know, and I think, you know, I think the big thing here is the, is the fact that and I was just, you know, one of the points that Charlie makes in this article is the fact that, you know, because premium cigars did not get defined and specifically out you know, ruled as being exempt, it means that the the FDA is probably going to fight harder than it would have otherwise to get this overturned because they're going to be really focused on getting flavored tobacco, Swisher Sweets, um, those types, uh, little cigars, we often hear them called. They're going to be really motivated to get warning labels back on those. And right. we're going to get caught in the crosshairs and the crossfire. And Here's the thing. Has a warning label ever stopped anybody from doing anything? Not once. I can't think of a single time in my life that I was reaching for something and seen a warning label and said, oh. I was going to kill myself, and then I saw the warning label on the toaster that said, do not use this in a bathtub, and I thought, you know what? You're right. Yeah. By and large, warning labels are not effective. They're the least effective. They're pure virtue signaling. Well, I, I wouldn't go that far, but they are they are proof of re- reactionary um, devices to self evident idiocy. You know, anytime I read a warning label, I often think, who was the idiot that required 
Right. That's this. the reason we had to put this label. Yeah. Who decided they wanted to sit in the bathtub and have a nice piece of toast? Exactly. And thought that that would work out. Yeah. I mean, so I'm glad that it was a 3-0 and decision. I'm glad that it's done. I'm concerned. I shouldn't be. I should take the victory and be happy with the victory. And move forward, but I, there, I do still have a, I still have a lot of trepidation, and I, I'm like you. I wish there had been a way to push it further and get premium cigars separated from vape, especially because you know they're going to want to get in on this. You know they are going now that we've had a decisive victory on our side, they're going to want to try and ride those coattails. You know, the, the cigar industry for years since 2013 or so has been banging the drum about how we're different we're different we're different and then to win a victory where we get lumped in with everybody else is if we call it a victory are we really different right is it kind of hollow at this point yeah um especially when you consider that the verdict was not that cigars are different it's that the fda did not substantially live up to their burden of proof basically the judge said fda you've what did he say here? You don't have your ducks in a row. Right. You did, you did not meet the burden of proof, which, oh, wow. So you're telling us a government agency did not function properly, just took it for granted that it was going to go their way and on because top, they're protecting the children? Right. And on top of that, you mean to tell me that's not going to motivate them to actually do this properly? No. No. The, the, there would have to be something in it for them there to is. do it properly. Okay, you've got to remember the people that are in charge. The people who are going to make the money on this are the attorneys. Right. And they do have a vested interest in getting it their way. So we're not talking about the actual FDA at this point. We're talking about the attorneys for the FDA. And I do believe that they have probably not a whole lot of intelligence because they're working for the FDA, but more than your average bear, for sure. And I do think they could say, okay, well then now we've seen now we've seen where the limits are. Let's let's narrow the field. Well, and by and large, people that work for the government couldn't cut it in the private sector. Right. I mean that's generally the way it goes. So okay, tell me about the first half of the Las Calaveras. It's drawing just a hair tighter than I would like. And it's good. <laughs> you know, when somebody pauses and says, it's good, I'm not inclined to believe it's good. <laughs> no. <laughs> when, there, when there's a pause before, because if something's good, it's good the minute you stick it in your mouth. It's not just good after, you know, you shouldn't have to get used to it. It's the reason, you know, I, I never acquired a taste for beer. I said, I just don't like the taste of beer. Well, you have to get used to it. If it's not good from the get-go, why would I put myself through the process of getting used to right. it? At this rate, I'm giving it a four and a half. Okay, so it's not it's not performing. It it's not it's 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 all right. It's not worth the price, and it's just not doing anything for me. Would it impose on you too much to one day knock me out, tie me up, bound me, gag me, take the label off of it, and while I'm still woozy, have me smoke it so that I could do it with no prejudice? If if that is possible, <laughs> uh, it, it may be worth it. But we are we are running a little long here, so why don't we step away real quick, uh, grab a cigar under eight, and then come back with some more show. Sounds good.
Shane here with this week's Cigar Under 8. This week, I want to talk about one of my favorites, the La Aurora 107. This is just a cigar that is always going to hit the mark. It is. It's always going to be a good cigar. It's a semi-robust, so it's not the strongest cigar, but it's not a weak cigar by any means. Not a super mild cigar. And it's full of flavor. It's an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper. And it's um, the binder and filler is not listed here, but it's probably Dominican binder and filler like most La Aurora product. And uh, last week after the show, you had left, and I walked in, and two of my favorite people were sitting in the shop. And I said, you know, life's too short not to sit down and have one more cigar with these guys. And I grabbed a La Aurora 107 Robusto and enjoyed that cigar thoroughly. It took me about, you know, 45 minutes to an hour to smoke as we were talking and mm-hmm. conversing on different topics and all, and just thoroughly enjoyed that cigar. So until next week, try the La Aurora 107. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man who lost his Emmy due to the huge lip-syncing scandal, Mr. Trey Dittman. How dare you? This voice is all mine. <laughs> Do you know, the? this is before your time, but I'm sure the pop culture person you are, you would know this. Do you know who is the only people to lose their Emmy? No, I don't know that. Millie Vanilli. Oh, they were the big lips. So, but here's my question. It's one of those things that at this point it doesn't surprise me. Like I know enough. Yeah, we'll we'll get back to cigars in a minute. But here's my question: If the songs were good enough to be Emmy worthy, and the um, the fans bought enough to make it Emmy worthy, and it turns out it was limp synced. Should you not take the Emmy and give it to the people that actually sung the song? Yeah, who did they end up giving it to? Whoever, oh, no, they just took it back. They just took it away. <laughs> they just took it back and kept it. I, just, I imagine they sold it to a pawn shop somewhere. Yeah. So if you look at, you know, if you look at, uh, what was it, 1987 uh, Grammy, you know, art, song of the year, there's just no winner for that? Right. Just Yeah, just been taken away. So I'm, And it was funny because if you watch, I watched way too much of the behind the music on this because they said, they were faking it there, um, and they could sing. They just weren't as good as the people they had singing their songs. And their manager kept telling them, oh, don't worry, you'll sing the next one. You'll sing the next one. And when they win the, won the Emmy, they knew they were in trouble. They knew there was no way it could not be found out at that point. Well, but doesn't it raise the question of what we're doing now for, you know, half of the people are auto-tuned or... You know, manufactured sound. You, you listen to so many of these bands, and then you go see them live, and it's like it's two different people. You know, isn't that the same kind of? It's all going to fall off in one chunk. It's going to burn straight down, and then become one. You think so? That's kind of what it looks like. I don't know. We're gonna see. If if y'all hear a loud expletive, you'll know that my pipe cigar, the pipe end, fell off into my lap. <laughs> well, I think it's going to do it as ash, not as. Not as live fire. Yeah, but it, okay. it does. It looks like it's just kind of going to come straight down before it makes the turn. We're going to see what happens here. This is it. But anyway, back to cigars. Oh yeah, <laughs> enough enough Millie Vanilli talk. 
and all. So you want to cover Gurkha first? We can. I'm surprised you don't want to take the reins on this since it proves you were right. So a couple of months ago, we were talking about Gurkha after um, Hansosha stepped down uh, from from being the head. And, and, you know, what do you need to do? How do you repair the brand? And Shane suggested that you you just flood the market with a good, high-quality, cheap smoke because that's what consumers want right now. Well, well it's, re- it's really your only option. It has to be a very good cigar at a very good price, even if you're just breaking even. Yep. And so Gurkha announced the release of Castle Hall Nicaragua, a grandfathered brand originally introduced in 2003. Uh, but it's um, basically it's a all-Nicaraguan cigar that's going to be priced around 5 bucks a stick. Yeah, so um, these cigars are being produced by ACC, which is Cacitarsa in Esteli, Nicaragua. You ever heard of them? Uh, no. Okay. Casatrasa? Casatrasa, yeah, I've never heard of them. Uh, version resulted in take success brand Castle Hall, Nicaragua, and 20, but it don't give us the recipe. Why does this article not give us the recipe? Uh, they may not have it yet. Oh, wait, there it is. Wrapper, Ecuadorian Habano, the binder is Nicaraguan, the filler is Nicaraguan. And the Robusto, Toro, and Magnum, which to me are the three basic sizes. It's probably going to be the same recipe as the cigar I'm smoking right now. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Crown Heads has hit a new low being accused of having Gurkha make their cigars. Well, it's I'm getting about as much enjoyment out of it. That's pretty sad. Now, I'm enjoying the heck out of my pipe cigar. I am, like you, kind of concerned that it may, I may have a structural failure that ends up with half of it in my lap at some point. Oh, my God. Speaking of which, so I did have that happen to me a couple days ago, but last night, so we were going for our usual evening walk around the neighborhood, and my cigar was getting a little crooked, so I decided I was going to touch it up. Now, here's a little word of advice for all of my fellow soft flame lighter, um, especially if you're a budget stick smoker as well. The combination of those two and me being walking resulted in a, uh, um, a, a Hollywood-level backdraft that set half my face on fire. <laughs> you'll notice... You need to lighten up on the aftershave. You'll notice that I've the beard is trimmed very close today, and that's because I burnt half of it off last night. The cigar <laughs> flared up and ran along the backside of the cigar because I was walking forward and just trying right. to get a quick touch-up. I mean, there was still a Robusto's link. I mean, there was still four and a half inches of cigar left. It wasn't like I was just trying to, you know, relight a roach. And sure enough, it just, I mean, singed my lip, my mustache, everything. I had to trim it all back. So also, (laughs) I'm going to keep moving. Fratello Cigars has been sh- begun shipping the new Fratello Camo Bundles. Yeah, we talked about them, what was it, two weeks ago now? Uh, been a couple of weeks we talked about it. They're doing the Rosso, the Blue, and the Verde. And they're offered in two sizes, a 5x50 Robusto and a 6x50 Toro. So no 660s for Shane. Okay, I, I have an issue with this. Now, I love Fratello and everything that Omar does. He's got the Rosso, which is Italian for red. It's got the Verde, which is, I think, Verdi would be Italian for green. So it's Spanish for green. And then he's got blue, B-L-U. <laughs> you can't do azul. Like, y- you can't find. <laughs> that was a bridge too far when they were naming the cigar. <laughs> I just think that's so funny. 
And uh, now these are going to be about four dollars a stick. Now, so I already have a couple of bundles that I'm a big fan of that are about two fifty a stick that I pick up once a month or so. I this is going to fit. If I could get a main label cigar for the same price as I'm paying for some factory throwouts, I I don't know how you don't. Do that. Well, and here's the other thing. The cigars are handmade, produced at the La Aurora factory. Oh, man. In Santiago, Dominican Republic. I missed that. Yeah, that's. this is going to be good. I cannot wait to get my you hands know, on these. Everything La Aurora has done lately has been so good. And these, you know, this could be a good low price smoke. Yeah. And, and a 6x50 Toro I mean, for, you know, 350 That's really hard to beat. It, it, that could end up being a uh, competitor to my Charter Oak. Well, so speaking of the Charter Oak, I was having a discussion. Uh, and it has an Indonesian binder just like the Charter Oak does. It does. These may be very Charter Oak-esque. Oh, I'm getting excited, Shane. And uh, I'm, uh, the question is, where are you going to be able to get them? Well, yeah. So this comes to a conversation you had with somebody recently. Yeah, I was having a conversation with a proprietor of the local cigar shop, and I said... Hey, you need to get the Charter Oak Connecticut in. I got, I had one the other day. It's as good as the Undercrown under Shade and half the price. And for a morning cigar, that would be absolutely wonderful in my life. Right. And, and he, it's inexpensive enough that it becomes worthy of box purchase just by virtue of its price. Right. Just immediately, it's worth getting a box of. And his answer was, I don't want another $6 cigar in here, and I definitely don't want a $6 cigar in here that's better than my house blend. Yeah. that's So, are you here to serve your customers? Are you here to serve yourself? How does this work? Where do you, as a, and I'm now, I'm not, I'm not accusing the owner of being malicious in this. No. He's got a business to run. He's got rent to pay. You know, he has a monthly thing he has to make. But... But at the same time, how many how many people out there make a fortune running a Ford dealership, and how many people go broke trying to keep a Mercedes dealership afloat? You know, you've got to know your audience, and sometimes volume is better than than you know price per item. Well, you know, if I have to go to another cigar shop to buy the Charter Oak Connecticut that I want. What's to say I don't stay there? You know, exactly. what's to say that if they, if I can get the cigar I want, what's to say I don't stay there and purchase a Padron afterwards? Right. And uh, it's, I don't, I don't know. It'd be a tough, it's a tough call because to a certain degree, you have to educate and control your customers. It, that is true. But to a certain degree, you have to let your customers educate and control you. Well, yeah, and we talked about that. Speaking, you know, going back to the Fratello thing, we talked about that last two weeks ago on the show about how you know, they basically crowdsourced their newest blend. You know, they said, here are two sticks. Tell us which one you like best. People did, and that's coming to market. Right. They they brought it to market. They brought it to life. So, okay. Hold on. Update on the pipe cigar. So, the pipe... It's looking a bit oh. like a shillelagh at this point. Yeah. At this point, it's it's kind of the end is there. I'm concerned that it's burning around and that it's going to come around and that whole cherry is going to fall in my lap at some point. So, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm starting to have a little bit of anxiety smoking this <laughs> cigar. <laughs> and it, I will say, though, it is holding together very well. 
better than I would expect for for how much of the tip is you know ash to leaf ratio. Mm-hmm. I, I'd say I'm impressed by how well it is holding together, and it's making that corner in a way that's not nearly as askew as I would have expected. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see how this continues on. I'm interested to see, but my concern is that the cherry is right in the elbow. Mm-hmm. And that I'm going to catch the cherry right in my lap. You've got enough on the leading edge that I don't think you're going to run the risk of you know, you don't, you losing think your light. But, you, yeah, you may end up with uh, a little burn mark on some sensitive areas. Okay, there it goes. See? Oh, <laughs> it's hanging on by a thread. There we go. Okay, now I'm better. Sorry, everybody. I had to delay to be sure I didn't burn myself. But yeah, I'm excited about these Fratellos. I'm not excited about the Gurkhas, but I'm never excited about a Gurkha. I'm not either. I and and I probably still won't try it. But I am excited to see that in the wake of a very unceremonious exit from the CEO. Now he still owns fifty one percent, so he's still in control. But he's not the face of the company anymore. And, and it, there there was some you know there were some PR issues with that. I'm glad to see that clearly the people who really do have their fingers on the pulse of the organization are actually trying. Okay, so now I'm going to do my favorite article of the week. All right. I have to do this article. Low-flying, cigar-shaped object filmed gliding along mountains in Tennessee. So earlier this year, you'll recall, we had a um, news story about a cigar-shaped asteroid. That that was like two years ago. Yeah, yeah. A little while back. Um, Cigar-shaped asteroid that that came through our solar system. And there was a lot of hypothesis that that could have been extraterrestrial, um, an extraterrestrial ship of some sort because of the aerodynamics and the way it worked and all that. So here we have a couple in East Tennessee that took a picture, and um, it's not a high-quality picture. I definitely don't know that I wouldn't call it a homemade blimp or a airplane or yeah. anything else. Well, did you look at the – have you watched the video? I mean, because it's the, – the still photo is really hard to make out. Yeah, it definitely looks like a Zeppelin, like a, you know maybe even a drone of some kind. It's very slow moving. It's not – I don't know – I really don't know that I would call it cigar-shaped either. Well, is anything is anything that is longer than it is wide cigar shaped? I guess so. <laughs> at I this mean, point, you, would, you wouldn't say chode shaped. I guess. Yeah, I mean, I mean, your choices are cigar or a portion of the male anatomy that's probably not going to be flattering. Exactly. <laughs> you low flying wiener shaped object filmed <laughs> gliding along mountains in Tennessee probably doesn't have the same. It definitely wouldn't make the cigar cast. So, but here's here's my question. If aliens do land, don't you hope they walk into a cigar shop? (laughs) (laughs) We don't know if we can breathe on your planet, so let's just do everything we can. Yeah, you know, the the first interstellar cigar, they come in. If an alien walks into your shop, what do you put in his hand? (laughs) Or, well, what do you put in his tentacle? Yeah. I do love that the title of the video on YouTube that they uploaded was Real UFO, Whitwell, Tennessee. <laughs> as if they verified it. Right, as if as if they came down for a quick probe party to find out. Oh, man, that's messed up. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'd, I would like to say on a serious note about aliens, I, they've got to be out there. 
Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. I go back and forth on this. I I have a hard time believing that in the vastness of space we are the only you know creatures that have reached this level of civilization and technology. What I do disagree with is the likelihood that that there would be another group of people or, or, or species or whatever that could advance to the point that they could get here before we could get there. I don't know. I, I'm, the thing is, how many great discoveries have been made by accident? Well, yeah. So if they accidentally fell into quantum tunneling... Then, you know, or, for or what dark are, matter or dark matter or string theory or any of the number, you know, we have reached the maximum amount of point A to point B travel is ever going to yield to us as human beings. Our next levels of travel have got to exceed past point A to point B travel. Yeah. Well, no, especially, I mean, when you look at the proposed discovery and exploration of Mars, you know, the the biggest... Um, barrier to that is the ability to get there with enough payload of fuel to get back and to do so in a short enough time span where it's still relevant. All right. To where, you know, to where you don't take off today and five years down the line, the new ship passes you on the way there. Right. <laughs> or better yet, you find something and the boffins at NASA with their satellites and their telescopes have already figured it out before you got there. Right. Hey, well, yeah, we've been we've been watching that for years. Yeah. And uh, so the the point A to point B travel, we have reached our limits. Yeah. And uh, our new travel is going to have to be on a level that the average person including myself can understand. I can just understand the need for it. You know, when you talk about crossing the distances of light years and the effect, not only the effect that has on the amount of time it takes to get somewhere, but the effect, you know, if you traveled, I watch a lot of science TV. Mm -hmm. If you traveled for one year at the speed of light, when you stopped, 100 years would have passed. Dang. Uh, yeah. So then Einstein, Einstein goes into how all that works. But basically, if we set up a monorail around the earth in such a way that it could travel for one year at the speed of light. You would spend one year on that train traveling at the speed of light, and you would get off 100 years later. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to think about. So at what point, then, could you go... How slowly would you have to go, relatively speaking... That's a science pun. I didn't mean to... But to go backwards in time. Because I think that's the, you know, that's the thing that always trips me up about these, you know, the science fiction about time travel. And, you know, the, the theory of revel, relativ, relativity gives us a pretty good blueprint for how to move forward in time. Sure. Faster than... Faster than the average time we're... Yeah. yeah. But never the ability to go backwards. And I wonder if there's an inherent inability or if it's just something that we still don't have the, the way to grasp yet. The... I, I believe there's an inability, because once time's passed, it's passed. You and I will never live this moment again sitting here on this porch. Well, and, you know, if, if you think about it, you know, the idea behind cryogenesis is basically the same thing as forward time travel. Because it's all relative to your point of reference. And if I wake up tomorrow and I've been asleep for 63 years, but it, to me it's a day, that's, that's relative time travel. 
So I don't think that when you discuss the aliens being the ability of aliens to exist, I have no doubt that they exist. I just believe the scientific barriers of traveling the distances required to interact with one another are too are yeah, and that's are, are the biggest impairing factor. Yeah, and, and I I fully agree with you on that. I think I I, I don't think we'll ever certainly not in our lifetime and, and maybe not even ever reach a point where interstellar travel is is feasible. Oh no, I think that's possible. I I will guarantee you there's a better shot of me sitting down and having a cigar with aliens before I die than me ever seeing a penny of my social security money. <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll guarantee you, you, and I'm older than you are. That's right. There, there's a better chance that you'll be probed <laughs> before <laughs> you'll see a, see a penny of social security. All right, let's cover one last cigar article tonight. All right. Lotus and Vertigo, Vertigo announce new cutters and cigar cases. And this is off half wheel. All right. So I actually saw this article hit on Facebook a couple, or not this article, but I, I saw the announcement about this hit on half wheel a few, few days ago. And here's my big thing. And I've talked about this the last couple of times we've brought up an, a, a story about an accessory. I've had the exact same complaint, which is if you're going to go through the trouble of marketing, researching, uh, developing, and and building manufacturing a new accessory. Why on earth would you not take the time to make sure it looks or does something different than what we've already had on the market for a generation? You know, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. But I think Zycar this... should feel flattered as all hell. <laughs> yeah, Zycar should be very flattered at the designs of the. So it's this typical. What is that? The Zycar XK2. That's the round one that the pot sides X- pop XO. out. XO. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. XO. And basically, all I can say is I think Lotus, the Lotus Meteor, double guillotine color cutter, comes in a circular all metal body. Did they just pick up a Zycar and say, "Hey, slap a coat of paint on it so it looks like Iron Man?" Yeah, uh, you know they've. I, I will give them that they have taken the idea of design a lot further than Zycar has, and I do give them some credit for that. However, it's got five different designs, like a brushed stainless steel. This one, the one that looks like Iron Man, is was a rosewood inlay, I guess. Um, got all black. You've got kind of a pewter color, and then you've got the American flag. Um, but yeah, the the design is one hundred percent just a reverse engineered Zyco, Zycar XR XO. My gosh, I cannot talk tonight. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get why if you can't do something innovative, you know. And then their V cutter looks just like the Zycar if it's got female hips. But in in the defense of the of the Lotus. Zycar looks just like the Calibri V-cutter. Yeah, this one definitely <laughs> doesn't look much like the Calibri. I will, it looks like a coffin. Um, is that meant to be a rest on the top? Is that why it's it's shaped in that manner, you think, that it's I don't meant know. that you could sit and use it as a rest after you cut your cigar with it? It doesn't say so. I, I wonder if it's just to give you a little bit more purchase on the top when you're actually going through the cigar so that it do, so that it doesn't roll on you. So let's let's put on our thinking cap for a minute because I believe you shouldn't make fun of somebody if you don't have some better ideals. 
if you were going to create the next cigar accessory, let's say that, so let me, let me frame it for you. I'm going to frame this for you because this is not, I'm not asking you to give away the keys to your kingdom and the one that you've been 3D printing for six months trying to perfect. When I worked for Production Builder, we would take our plans to an architect and we would have him sketch up what he wanted the outside to look like, what his ideals, what his vision for the outside was. Right. And my job was they brought it back to me and I made it where you could actually build it. Right. And all. And of course, that went through several evolutions and everything like that and cost analysis and things of those sort. Well, for uh, car, car guys who listen to the show will recognize, you know, you you get the concept drawing of the vehicle. Then you get the concept model of the vehicle. And then the engineers who are responsible for actually making it go down the road typically end up chopping it, shaving it, you know, bastardizing it to the point of, of making it a shadow of its former self, but actually roadworthy and legal. It's the same kind of principle. So if you were going to design the next great cigar accessory, and I gave you a sketchbook, and I said, sketch it out, Trey. I I will do it as soon as we stop recording, but I'll give you a teaser right now, because I have been working on this, kind of playing around with an idea in my head for a number of years. It would be scissor style, so that it could accommodate basically any ring gauge, but rather rather than being uh, just a regular pair of scissors, it would be geared so that the pressure that comes down on your cigar is even across the entirety of the surface area of the contact of the blade. You know, I've said that for years about the Zycar X1, that it needed, that both blades needed to move simultaneously with the same amount of pressure. Uh And so, yeah, I like your idea. I like the ideal because there's nothing more... Um, aggravating than when you squish the end of your cigar trying to make a cut. You get right. one that's a little damp, and you end up deforming it, or a crack, or it's a little dry, and a crack runs right up the side. Right. So yeah, I can I can see that. Here's what I want. I want a lighter. I want it to be a four jet lighter. Okay. But I want it to be held like a magnifying glass, and the jets point in. So you crank it and you light the entire circumference of the cigar with one push. Oh, I see. So um, it's a lot like, and you see it um, a lot for, essentially it's the cigarette lighter in the car in terms of being able to, but instead of electric, it's jet. It's jet. So you're able to keep the flame from coming back into your hand. Well, that, that that's for engineering to work okay. out. I'm I'm a I'm a design man. I'm I not see, the, I see. the the monkeys down in engineering can work that part out. <laughs> I'm I'm all about the design function. But I think that the the wall of flame that was controlled in such a way that even if you had a negative pressure that pulled the flame as well as push it so that the flame stays in a steady streak. And you could stick your cigar in it and rotate it once and pull it out of a perfect cherry every time. That would, I, I, there's definitely some, some kinks that would have to be worked out. But I like that. I like where you're going with that. So what we're saying here, Lotus, is the two of us just sat here and pulled out of thin air designs for original gear. With your resources, why are you reproducing what's already been done? Well, and that's the thing. You know, we're talking about this in the context of cutters, and and I will say, you know. Lotus's, you know, uh, Zycar knockoff of the of the ring cutter, 
I do think that they put a lot more design effort into it, but it's easy when you don't have to work on the engineering because someone else already paid and did that. Uh, you know, I, but we, we talk about it with lighters all the time. I have not seen a unique lighter in a dog's age. The last unique step forward in lighters was Calibri. the side-by-side three flame. You yep. know, I've got one right here in my hand, and it was the side-by-side curtain of flame. Yeah, that's the uh, Calibri Astoria with the built-in cutter in the back as well. Yeah, not a great cutter. A no, good lighter. terrible cutter. They, they, I was working for them when that came out, and that was the biggest complaint was that the cutter was was wonky and, and hard to manage. And with, this goes back to your beer argument. If, you know, it takes a little practice, but you can eventually get there. But with it, you know, with cutter technology being r- relatively unchanged for the last three hundred years, why should I have to learn how to use a cutter? Well, you know, and I could I could fix that for them. All you need with, is a stop. Well, I could fix it for them with three words: spring loaded for emergency use. Yeah, just print that on the cutter when you flip it open. Just let it say for emergency use. Mm-hmm. So if you are trapped somewhere and you have only a lighter and no cutter, then this will get the job done. But don't rely on this if right. you don't have to. If you cut every cigar with it day in, day out, you will you will have a degrading over the course of time yeah. of your quality of cuts. But how do they get a hold? And by the way, anybody out there have a great cigar accessory ideal? Shoot, send us a quick description. I'd love to see that on Facebook. Yeah, I'd love to see a quick description. You know, and it's funny you mention that because I remember back in the day sitting around the cigar shop. We used to have conversations about that all the time. I have not heard a bunch of cigar guys sitting around waxing philosophic about design ideas for accessories in a long time. We may have to bring that to the brain trust this week. That, that may have to be as soon as as soon as we decide we can all go back to the shop safely, right? And all that may be what we have to discuss. It may be. All right. So you can get a hold of us if you do want to send us your ideas. We promise not to take them or to pull a Blue Mountain and sue you for it. Uh, Info at thecigarcast.com is our email address. We're on facebook.com slash thecigarcast and Instagram and Twitter at thecigarcast. Okay. Pronounced judgment on Las Calaveras 2020 edition. Four and a half. Four and a half. That's about what I expected. Yeah. That's about what it's, I, I really, I think I need to smoke that cigar blind. So here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start a Google Doc, okay? We're going to start a Google document of cigars to smoke blind. Yeah. And listeners, send us some suggestions. You stuff know, that you've heard us dog on the show without actually trying. Right. Stuff that you've, that you've said, you know, oh, well, if they ever tried one, they'd probably, if they didn't already hate Gurkha, they would like this cigar. Right. Um, let's keep a list of cigars, and then one night, I'll pick one off the list, rip the label off of it, and bring it to you. You pick one off the list, rip the label off of it, and bring it to me. We will definitely do and it. And we'll give it a clear and honest judgment, because that one will definitely have to go on that particular list. Yeah, it will. And I don't, you know, I think even without knowing what it is, I think you'd have a hard time enjoying this. It's just not your palate. It just not even, and like I said, you like a cigar that draws a little bit lighter than I do, even. And even I'm thinking this is a little tight. So, but well, that could be because it just came in today. Well, the Don Gonzalez pipe cigar is just fun. You know, um, Corey Graves, a great wrestling announcer, one time he has a show called Inked. He has tattoos, you know, from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And he said, "Not every tattoo has to be has to contain within the meaning of life." 
Sometimes you can have it just because it's fun and it makes you happy. And this cigar is that tattoo. It's fun. It makes me happy. It's been a good cigar. It's been fun watching it burn and figuring out it's had a lot of entertainment value yeah. as well as as well as cigar value added to my life via this cigar. It's, a, you know, to quality of tobacco, it's a solid five and a half. Um, I'm going to bump it up a half point to a six because of the amount of fun I've had smoking it. The enjoyment it. factor. Yeah, I can bump it up. I would even say if, if we were having the ability to smoke that in the shop, I'd say you'd probably get another half point out of just the conversation piece that it is. Right, just the conversation starter. So definitely, definitely worth next time, Pedro. You can only get them when he's doing a rolling event. And Alan, he has his guy there that can make them, and he has one particular roller that can make them. A tremendously talented guy. He I made, should say so. He made Glenda a Green Bay's Packers cigar. I'll have to show you after the show. All He's right. made me a large uh, cigar the size of a baseball bat, and uh, one of the you know one of the baseball bats they give you for free at the minor league games. Yeah. One of the little short ones that yeah. you can use to club squirrels. It's that size, and it's got Cuba on the side, and it's very cool. All right, yeah, you'll have to show that off before I leave tonight. So thanks, everybody, for listening this week. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us.